education research has a problem. The work of brilliant education researchers often doesn't reach the practice of brilliant teachers. Classroom Caffeine is here to help. Each week, I invite a top education researcher to sit down and talk with teachers about what they have learned from years of study. This week, Dr. Doris Walker Dollhouse talks to us about supporting students as individuals, opportunities for advocacy, and looking to our communities for professional growth. Doris is known for her work in the area of culturally responsive literacy instruction, teacher preparation, and strategies to support readers who struggle. Dr. Walker Dollhouse is a professor of literacy studies at Marquette University. So... Pour a cup of your favorite morning drink and join me, your host, Lindsay Persson, for Classroom Caffeine, research to energize your teaching practice. Doris, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to speak with you today. Um, From your own experiences in education, will you share with us one or two moments that inform your thinking now? Initially, I, in thinking about this, I think of my childhood as an individual who loved to read and who felt that uh, going to the public library and checking out books on a weekly basis and reading all five of them that I checked out was a goal that I wanted to see uh, myself achieve, but also to have that opportunity to see others um, in my community, those who looked like me, those who were different from me. That led me to uh, feeling like as an individual looking for a life goal uh, and a career choice at that young age, that I wanted to be a teacher who um, led students and motivated them and engaged them to experience the, the types of things and enjoyment and uh, literacy, in this case, reading that I experienced. And that was one of the enlightening opportunities that I have uh, that has propelled me in my work. A second one is having an opportunity to direct a Sudanese uh, reading clinic located in the Episcopal Church uh, in Moorhead, Minnesota, and having an opportunity uh, to work with pre-service teachers to look at that cultural, uh, linguistic, rich experience uh, that learners bring uh, from all uh, areas in terms of uh, locales, our locations and countries, and to build on that and see them for the rich resources that they bring and not in a deficit way. What an important Uh, way to identify in the world and to think about others. Um, I think in education, we get so hung up on thinking in a deficit model that we've got to shake that. We've got to get out of that. Um, What would you like teachers to know about your research? I would like teachers to know that I have focused on both uh, what goes on in the classroom, uh, the types of learners that we work with, as well as the need to uh, try to achieve that aspect of expectation that all students can learn. So within that context, I particularly would like to see them focus on those students who struggle for those non-academic 
pandemic types of reasons, uh, whether it's poverty, whether it's health related, or whether or not it may be because of some this in, um, I would say, situation that is outside economic uh, or uh, physical uh, aspect that is beyond their control. And I'd like to uh, see that that desire that all children then, in a short way of saying this, have the right to read. Uh, and they have that right uh, that is inherent in what we would like to see as a nation, uh, as a world, uh, in order to advance as well as to grow individually. So I'd like them to see all of those aspects that relate to equitable literacy instruction and uh, the opportunity that as teachers, we can make that difference with the type of instruction that we provide. I think that certainly speaks to what you mentioned earlier about the magic of going to the library weekly and choosing something exciting to read and, and experiencing that magic of reading. As a former librarian, that really um, speaks to me because I, I think that, you know, I've always said that if, if kids don't like to read, it's because they haven't met the right book yet. Uh, but presenting those opportunities in an individualized and contextualized kind of way can make all the difference for a kid. I totally agree. And I think that regardless of the situation of parent education, regardless of the community that children reside in, that there are those opportunities that we have to take within the context of our classrooms and in the broader community where we expand outside of our classrooms to find out about those cultural uh, incentives and assets that students build upon and connect that home and school experience so that we tap in on the interests that students have. I hope you'll maybe say a little bit more about that. You know, how do we as teachers get there? You know, I, I think that uh, the world is such a challenging place um, always, but certainly right now. Um, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we connect on a personal and individual level? And how do we provide uh, the literacy strategies and support that students need when they need it? I think, first of all, we have to examine our own uh, beliefs and attitudes about diversity and about uh, equity and what it is that we would want for our own children in our own communities. I think that's fundamental. Then based on that examination, I think we have to support each other in conversations and find out where we are in our journey to develop the kinds of uh, resources that we tap in on in our classrooms. Do we utilize those professionals that work alongside of us to share their experience and learn from their voices? Do we also engage in that professional development opportunity where we can read uh, text about uh, diverse groups, um, explore multicultural literature, look at the uh, cultural uh, community-based resources in our museums and in our uh, 
particular uh, places that we visit, our churches, our uh, other community uh, types of uh, resources that are available to us uh, that help us to grow beyond the experiences that we have. I think it's looking for those uh, books, those themes, uh, those visuals within the community, uh, whether uh, they may be art, as I said before, whether they may be music, but I think it's broadening our base of knowledge. And as we broaden that base, that we establish that opportunity where we can communicate what is working in our classrooms and using that knowledge to continue to stimulate each other as well as ourselves to uh, further learn and grow. And I also think it's tapping in on that parent knowledge parents, as we often say, are children's first teachers, but they are also the ongoing window into how those children in our communities grow and what values uh, are in the home and what kinds of uh, oral traditions, as well as what kinds of resources that parents look to and want to expose their children to. So that means that that forming of the parent uh, school links in greater needs and ways than what we uh, have traditionally thought of. And if I could elaborate in just one way, this pandemic has uh, really stretched us to thinking more um, importantly about the role that parent, deeply about the role that parents play, because they're being positioned uh, to support uh, learning in the home setting and are also in the position of looking at that social emotional aspect of how their children are responding to differences and changes in what their realities have been uh, up to this point. So I think all of the current situation all of the resources that we can tap in on and, and uh, utilize to continue to grow uh, and to uh, address the needs of our students are what I would want teachers to know and to be able to build on. Well, and what an invigorating message to think that we, we have this within our own purview, right? It, it is within our world and it is within our communities that we can can look and see what we have right here next to us. Uh, and I think that especially right now in a pandemic era, um, we have to focus a little more locally because sometimes that's what we have, that's what we have access to. And I think it's in those quiet times, it's in those challenging times, it's within those times where we feel like we don't have control, that we have to reach inside and recognize that these are uh, opportunities for growth. Uh, and if we take advantage of them, we come back stronger, more aware of our voices and how we can advocate for those the least among us who don't have the, the technology uh, to use, who are not as engaged possibly because their home learning environment, it has not the same resources as the school learning environment. But how can we bridge that divide? And so this, these are challenging times, but growth times. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I remind myself of that on a, a daily basis. When the challenge seems too great, you just have to stop and regroup and say, what do I have control over? What can I learn from this? And how can I regroup and move forward in a positive direction? Because as challenging as this time has been, I think there have been some real opportunities to rethink the status quo and to think about how we reconnect with others. Yes, policy and practice. Mm-hmm. Changes are needed. Yeah, absolutely. So Doris, given the challenges of today's educational climate, what message do you want teachers to hear? I want teachers to hear that they are the difference, uh, that they are empowered because they have the experience that they can build on from their knowledge of children that they don't lose that in a different uh, era of change, uh, that they have that wherewithal to know what is right to do, uh, what our children need in the various environments from which they come. They have that knowledge and that thirst for improvement. And they can be those, uh, that impetus to a change if they can grasp in on the uh, realities that their voices can be louder, more informed than ever uh, by the fact that they have this experience that adds in a different environment in the pandemic that can add to what they know about in classrooms. So I'm a big proponent of advocacy. And I think that this is what I would want teachers to know, that they have and can utilize all of the things that they have experienced to advocate for more social emotional growth, our opportunities for students, more resources, more teacher professional development. Uh, more opportunities uh, for uh, parents to be informed and engaged, more resources within their classrooms. Just a few of those things I would like to emphasize. You, you're reminding me of so many conversations I've had lately about connecting with families and about advocating for those who, who may not feel they have the strongest voice in the world. But also, I, I think we can think about literacy as a way to become advocates for ourselves. When we teach kids how to, to read, to be informed, and how to write, to share their voice, um, as well as listening and speaking and, and you know, just ways of knowing the world, um, that that's such a powerful gift to give to a child. I agree. And I think as we give it to the children, we're preparing uh, the future uh, leaders who will go out and make the world a better place, uh, whether it's local within their immediate communities, uh, but then seeing it beyond. So in the immediate world, the authentic nature of where they are, but also moving forward because we never know the influence that we have right away, but we have to always think that we're planting that seed and over time we will see that growth. And I think now more than ever, we're preparing children for a world that we don't know a whole lot about. You know, obviously we've never had a crystal ball, but I I think that 
um, recent history has just shown us how quickly our world can change. And, you know, thinking and critical thinking are such important skills uh, for us to develop in times like these. And I think that critical thinking so that when we think about uh, the literacy aspect that we're helping students to critically engage in dialogue, um, that they're reflecting their thoughts and critically evaluating what they read, what they hear uh, on the news and in the larger world. Uh, so media, uh, a, a critical media literacy that needs to be developed. I think it's that critical aspect of writing that we need to have them express children as well as, uh, as teachers. We put our voices on paper and we think about what impact it will have, whether we're writing about the need for improvement in our schools or whether children are writing about how they feel during this time of uncertainty where there may be issues about food scarcity or the um, concerns about health that they may have within their home and their community. Which leads me to thinking we need to communicate that to as teachers to the larger uh, community outside of our education and literacy professionals that we engage in every day. We need to write about what we know and what we've learned and uh, share that in ways that inform, but also guide our administrators in our respective schools and those in our legislatures, uh, as well as those outside that we interact on a day-to-day -day basis. It really brings full circle back to the idea of advocacy and communicating and, and just how important that is in our world right now. Um, I think if we've learned nothing else in education, we've learned that if we don't speak up, someone's going to speak for us. So as teachers, we, we, we need to, to get our message out there and, and, like you said, to share our learning and to share our experience from the classroom in order to better inform those who make the policies. Yes, I agree. Policy and practice, as I said earlier. Uh, one thing that I did want to share is that I have uh, worked with um, Vicki Risco, as we talked, mm -hmm. about working with uh, struggling readers. And there is... Um, a way that we can also uh, think about this as a, a really vulnerable group that we do need to uh, address in more, um, or oh, having more culturally responsive ways in a working with them, but also not forgetting that it cuts across all levels uh, and types of individuals uh, that would be important to emphasize. Um, then I have been working with the uh, pre-service teachers to look at immigrants and refugees and reading about those as individuals that are new uh, to uh, our, um, not always new, but more emphasis sometimes that we need to consider those um, individuals uh, 
who are outside of our familiar uh, experience of individuals that we can relate to. And to in this process and, prog- and projects that I'm working with is having pre-service teachers to read about immigrants and refugees. And so that sense of learning and starting with pre-service teaching uh, and teacher education, but moving beyond that. So it's planting the seed early and continuing to grow. Absolutely. I, I think that is really key to thinking with a growth mindset, to um, thinking forward and growing into those skills. And also, I think, avoiding maybe some potentially negative habits and mindsets as well. The one last thing, we have a brief that will be coming out uh, from ILA that deals with the pandemic and some of the challenges that teachers uh, have faced uh, during this time period and recommendations, uh, particularly as it addresses literacy, literacy, I should say. It comes out uh, in December. It should be ready for that uh, time period. So just maybe an awareness that that's ongoing. And how can teachers access that brief? It will be uh, on uh, the ILA, International Literacy Association website, and uh, they can download it on that website. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that resource with us, Doris. Um, you know, you mentioned refugees, and I, f- I feel as though I have tried to put myself in the shoes of someone fleeing their home to seek safety and what kind of experiences they may encounter. And I've realized that I just can't. Yes. I, you know, you, you can't imagine what that must be like. Um, so thank you for doing that work and, and for, like you said, helping pre-service teachers um, see that early and, and try to, um, I, like I said, I don't know if we can ever truly understand those experiences, but at minimum, we can support children as individuals just as we would anyone else and, and try to help them um, find safety and find, you know, a, a better life for themselves and their families. Yes, it goes to that social emotional development and um, uh, adjustment to a new environment. And continuing to try to understand where we may not get there right away. Um, uh, and we, you know, know that it is an ongoing effort to try to put yourself in someone's shoes. And so this is just that beginning part mm-hmm. that I have really uh, felt inspired by the need to do that, especially as we continue to grow as a nation. Yeah. I think when I read the book, Refugee, um, what, first of all, what an amazing story. And, um, I know I was surprised when those stories came together at the end of that book. Um, yes. but the, the experiences I think are so real the way they're described. And, um, I know I, I appreciate that book and I've certainly circulated it among, um, folks I know, and we'll continue to do so because, um, it's a sad story, but it is also one of connection and hope yep. and growth and uh, just really a, a very remarkable book. I'm sure, sh- I'm sure that's on your list. You know, this is so funny. We are doing um, uh, literature circles in my class. Uh, and that is one of the book choices that one of my literature groups is uh, currently going to be reading. So I look forward to their rich discussion of it. And you're right. It's going to be eye opening. I'm sure. 
Well, Doris, I thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your thoughts with teachers. Um, I thank you for the work you do in the world. And I also want to congratulate you on your recent election to the Reading Hall of Fame. Thank you so very much. It is indeed a pleasure talking with you today. And definitely, I appreciate the opportunity always to serve and to learn in the process of serving. Thank you so much. Dr. Doris Walker Dollhouse is known for her work in the areas of sociocultural aspects of literacy, pre-service teachers' attitudes toward diversity, multicultural literature, and the literacy development of refugee children and struggling readers. Her research has been informed by her work as an elementary teacher and teacher educator working with pre-service teachers and ethnically, culturally, and linguistically diverse students in after-school and community-based reading programs. Doris was recently elected to the Reading Hall of Fame. She's an active in the Literacy Research Association, where she serves as vice president-elect. She has served on the editorial review board for major literacy publications, and her own work appears in the Journal of Adolescent and Adult Literacy, The Reading Teacher, Journal of Reading Education, Reading and Writing Quarterly, The Association of Literacy Educators and Researchers Yearbook, Literacy Research and Instruction, and Childhood Education, as well as many edited books. Doris is committed to professional service and has served on the board of directors for IRA, Ailer, and LRA. She's co-chair of the IRA Response to Intervention Task Force and serves as a lead writer for Standard 4, Diversity and Equity, for the 2017 Standards for the Preparation of Literacy Professionals. She is notably the co-author of Be That Teacher, Breaking the Cycle for Struggling Readers. Dr. Walker Dollhouse is currently a professor of literacy at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For the good of all students, good research should inform good practice and vice versa. Listeners are invited to respond to our guests, learn more about our guest research, and suggest a topic for an upcoming episode through this podcast website, at classroomcaffeine.com. If you've learned something today or just enjoyed listening, please subscribe to this podcast. I raise my mug to you, teachers. Thanks for joining me.